Everybody, 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 drop your box. Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I'm Evan Ross Katz. And we have a winners on the Challenge USA. And we have two survivor winners at that. And not just any two survivor winners, but one of them is mother and the other is father. <laughs> Evan, what did you think of the finale? <laughs> well, you know what? It's interesting that I felt one way about it, like when I watched it last night, like I watched it last night and I was like, that was really, really entertaining. And then I was just like, oh, I'll go on Twitter this morning. And I was like, let me search the challenge hashtag and see what people had to say. And I discovered the fact that like, longtime challenge fans are like up in arms over this. And so <laughs> I feel like my opinion is like still forming, but I did just want to like bring in the context of that because I think a lot of people listening that are challenge fans are going to feel similarly, similarly, or people might've had that reaction just from the outset. But I just wanted to read Mike Bloom's tweet real quick. He said, I have watched many, many seasons of reality TV. The challenge USA may be the most wackadoo, messiest, worst ending to one that I have ever seen. Holy moly. I had been enjoying the majority of this season up to this point, but it fell hard. I am truly stunned at it all. And that seems to be the overarching sentiment that I saw on Twitter this morning. So I think, um, I am less of like have a solid mindset per se and more want to bring in the context of like people feel, feel, you know, uh, people to, to quote Jeff Probst in his recent parade interview, uh, people uh, feel either really strong, people either really <laughs> like this or they don't like it at all, but no one is in the gray area. Um, how did you feel? Uh, that's really interesting. I haven't seen, I haven't gone on Twitter since I watched the episode because it went past my bedtime. And so I'm kind of surprised that people feel that strongly about it. I mean, not having watched the challenge, it's hard for me to really put it into context. And uh, I was surprised, honestly, when TJ announced that never before in challenge history has everybody dropped out except for the two winners. Um, I think that that last leg of the final was... Kind of anticlimactic. I mean, like, I don't know that the last thing I need to watch them do is Sudoku. I don't think that, that plays very well on TV. We can't play along. It's like a bizarre choice. And then for everybody, like, for that to be the thing that knocks all of these power players out of the game is kind of, I don't know, it's a bit anticlimactic. But, I mean, I had fun watching this. Yeah, I think we're going to have to contend with some conspiracy theories that are out there and ones that I'm going to oh. add into the mix here. But I think one of the big questions happening right now around the Sudoku that you mentioned is whether or not Sarah mother was in fact able to complete that Sudoku because how would it have looked from the production side if they did not have a female winner because none of the women completed the challenge and they there if you go online and look this up you it, you can get into people that have more thoughts about it but it's like they don't show you anything of the edit around Sarah 
working on the Sudoku. Um, from what I know about Mother, I don't think Sudoku would necessarily be in her wheelhouse. I certainly have to believe if Tyson could not do it, it's hard to believe that Sarah could. It's also hard to believe that Tyson couldn't. Um, so one, yeah, one theory going around right now is whether or not Sarah did in fact complete the challenge. That's really interesting because my gut would say that Sarah is a Sudoku queen. Fair. Yeah, uh, perhaps. Uh, but that that is just a question that, that looms right now. Um, and I just think there's a lot of questions around people's reaction to learning information throughout this episode. Uh, obviously, we'll walk through it, but I yeah. think that it's not like the quits themselves I find shocking, but it's more the contestants' attitudes towards, or rather I should say the quits or the DQs. The reaction is really something. And then also just thinking about the impact of Ben's, um, mm -hmm. you know, he was ejected from the game, the impact that that had on players besides Ben in ways that we like can't possibly know. Like I couldn't help but think about during Desi's uh, elimination, I couldn't help but think had Ben been in the mix and the pairings, you know, worked out differently, how things would have gone. And also thinking about the fact that like, did they have to alter the wheelbarrow part of the challenge in real time because of well, you know, one player would be without partner. Like what, just what was happening? So yeah, um, I, I think that the game itself was handled really, really badly at the final yeah. because they had no contingency plan for what would happen if somebody couldn't compete. Yeah. And it was so heavily relied, so heavily relied on having a partner, especially that one where you had to memorize 10 numbers and then use a decoder to create a word like that was unfair to justine where she had to memorize twice the amount of numbers as everybody else uh simply because somebody got medevac like there's no plan for how to deal with that and so i just think that that was really messy and then i will say uh that the editing i thought was really all over the place in Holy those cow. final legs. Like we really, Holy I think, cow. had no sense of what was going on. And even uh, I was catching up on Sarah Lucina's Instagram stories right before this, where she revealed something about the challenge that Angela was disqualified from, which we'll talk about when we get there, that just like, why wouldn't they put that in the episode? Like, why do we have to get clarity around what happened on social media instead of in the episode where we should yes. be hearing about it. All of that said, I'm extremely grateful that we live in a society in which like we can get answers to some of these questions. Like obviously, yes, it's preferred if the show itself presents everything as it was, but there is something fun about being big fans like we are and having to sort of like excavate to like get the real story. As long as it is find outable, like I'm I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? Like I recognize yeah. the fact that a reality television show's job is not to tell the real story, but it's it's exciting to me that like one can suss out the real story. And I have to say, like, we have to get mother on this podcast. And I feel like it's like <laughs> part of me is like, let's get her on. I like I really do think that there's information for us to like glean about the challenge specifically before we get into the survivor tenure. But like, I am eager. Like, I think uh, it's such a shame that there's not a reunion because there's so much to talk about, yeah. about this season, but particularly where things shook out. But I do think that like, it's unfortunate that they did these, 
two episodes back to back and also the fact that it was clearly built as a single episode mm-hmm. um so this was you know very much built into the structure and because of that it's like hard to parse out the fact that like this is all the finale but it's technically being sold to us as two parts um but I, I think that like, I I, I want to talk about them in, in, in separately because I think that I have a lot to say about both. But that like is not but that are, you know, thoughts that belong to the episodes viewing them separately. Yeah, I feel like this would have been a, a way better product had we seen the women's elimination. And then the next week we had a two hour dedicated episode to yeah. the final itself. It's also just so weird that they would do it this way particularly because i don't know about you but i felt from the outset that this episode seemed like pretty epic um in an exciting way but it was odd then to think about the fact that like thinking about last week's challenge and how like not easy it was but just sort of like they're on a moving vehicle but it's not moving that fast and they're harnessed and you know it didn't feel so high stakes and then here we are now and it's like it's nighttime they're being you know pushed into this van and there's the screaming and the water and all of these components to this challenge that felt like i almost felt like the the women's elimination challenge felt like that could have been like that could have been the final like yeah. if i didn't know that tj's final was so robust in 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 its nature um so that was odd to me is like why like why this why this particular one was so much you know felt i had a distinctly different feel a feel that i liked but also didn't necessarily feel fair being that i felt like the male challenge from last week was easier right yeah I hear you. I mean, that said, no one could complete that challenge for the most part. So <laughs> easier, I guess, is relative. But I guess it just was like, this just felt like so epic. And it was like, not comparable. Yeah. Okay, well, let's get into it because there's a lot to discuss. Um, so let's talk about the women's elimination first. Yeah. And uh, we have, we open up with Dom saying that the guys want to make sure that they have the strongest women in the final. Okay. And this is the part, and I, and I think I'm going to start to feel crazy, so I just want to say it now once, and then I think that there'll be many instances throughout our conversation in which this point will be underlined. Um, are you with me? I'm here. Okay, so to, yeah, you just mentioned that Dom <laughs> says this. Okay, this does not make sense. This game is so often talked about as a team game when it is not a team game, or if it is a team game, Everyone, so Sarah makes a comment later on about like, she thinks that they're, they're going to put her in the elimination. No, they're not. Sarah is a strong player. All of the men should want Sarah there. All of the men should want Kayla out. It doesn't make sense how we're still talking about this from the, the standpoint of the alliances being on the same gender. Sarah cannot work with Kayla and Justine. However, it does benefit Sarah to keep Kayla and Justine, but not for the reasons she's saying. Mm. She's saying it as though like she wants them there because they're her friends and her allies, when really she wants them there because she knows she can beat them. And right. it's just so odd that, not to jump ahead, but we'll later have this, this moment where it's like, like, Dom is ostensibly the winner because he's the tiebreaker here, which we'll get into. But it's like, Dom, why are you willfully not putting Kayla up for elimination and making this seem like it's a hard decision? This impacts you. Like, it's just, it's bizarre the way they all talk about this game without realizing the logic. And that no one at any point, 
During that final challenge in which Kayla could literally not get up the hill, needed an assist from Sarah, that none of the guys were like, hmm, this worries me going into the final challenge. That was not narratively brought in once when people should have been thinking about that weeks ago. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah, but I will say the decision that he had was a tough one because I feel like Kayla and Alyssa, who ultimately he was deciding between, I would say are like equals in terms of physical strength. I don't agree. You think Alyssa's stronger? Yeah, and I think Alyssa has more stamina than Kayla. Mm. I think Kayla is more quick to give up, which, mind you, she definitely proved differently. I mean, she really did work through this challenge to her credit. But I think just if you look at track record alone, um, if it's a schoolyard pick, I think most people are going with Alyssa. Interesting. I feel like I would go with Kayla. Interesting. Because I think that we see Alyssa make this pitch to Dom where it's like, like I was laughing out loud, where she was like, I never came in last in any of the challenges except, except one of them. But, you know, I like, I'm, I'm, I'm always middle of the road, which I feel like is not a great pitch. And I just feel like I've remember, and I can't think of like many specifics, maybe the first uh, arena elimination that Kayla was in, remember with uh, that winner of Amazing Red James, I think his name was, mm-hmm. uh, where they're biking, right? Like she did so well on that. So like that would make me think that she has sort of like endurance stamina. Um, and so I just see her as like physically stronger, more capable. I mean, she did the amazing race versus Alyssa doing big brother. Uh, I mean that, I don't know how much that plays into it, but I would just automatically assume, Oh, then she, she's got a little bit more oomph in her Mm -hmm. than somebody like Alyssa. But I think we would need to hear this very conversation that you and I are having now play out amongst the men, like having that, that, questioning all of this and saying like let's let's game it out and see who do people think we would win against but it's just so odd to me that in retrospect it's like any alliance in this game at once it became female and and male eliminations the alliances should have just been strictly by gender it's like all of the men needed to get together and get aligned on who they most wanted to bring to the finale because it benefits all of them Mm -hmm. especially knowing how things played out where there's going to be you're going to be paired with every single person of the opposing gender so it only makes sense to have to if you're a female to want the strongest males and vice versa and the fact that like that was a not the case, but that no one like stated that very obvious like tactic with which to play this game. It felt like very weird to me. Now they did. I will say they did talk about that in the prior weeks with trying to get Enzo out and nobody wanted mm-hmm. to be paired with Enzo, which of course like foreshadowed that awful, awful right. clip from Enzo. But that to me, and maybe this was just me misinterpreting it, but that to me was more about that wasn't talking about the finale, like in the final, like that was to me was more just like week to week. I don't want to be paired with this person. If they would have been like, I guess I just maybe needed that line of like knowing that in the finale, we'll likely have to work with all. I I don't know. Do you think they knew that there would be this rotation? I feel like that's probably a challenge staple. I mean, I don't know about the rotation, but they did talk about, I don't remember specifically last week what they said, but you know, in the past couple of weeks, they have been saying, you know, there's probably this pair aspect to the, to the final and I don't mm-hmm. you know there's certain people I wouldn't want to be paired with um I feel like they said that about Enzo last week but we but but to your point no we didn't get that conversation this week this week it was like m- much more uh around like alliance lines the conversation and that doesn't make sense because this is the last week for alliances to even exist and what's the point of them if if we're going into a final 
And then also, just from the perspective of Kayla, it's like the fact that Kayla was so keen to work with Sarah, it's like that is that tells me Kayla doesn't really understand the game. Because if you're Kayla, you sh- yes, you want to be targeting Angela, but Kayla should want someone like Angela, uh, sorry, not, not Angela, Alyssa. Kayla should want someone like Alyssa staying in the game. That would benefit Kayla. So the idea that there's this alliance where it's like Justine and Sarah and uh, and Kayla, that doesn't make sense strategically for Kayla, who seems like a really smart human being. It's stuff like this that just doesn't add up. If you are any female in this game right now, you should not want to see Alyssa go. Yeah, this would have been the round that we want to see the Sarah Angela Sa- showdown. Exactly. And that's that is what Sarah told them two weeks ago or whatever at the bar when she was like, you want, like when she was trying to go in against, was it Angela? Now I'm not even remembering, but she was making the argument that. I thought she was trying to go up against the guy. No, 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 the next bar. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Then I don't remember. (laughs) I think it was Angela. Mm. (laughs) This is so bad. But she was making the argument that like, look, this, this benefits everybody because one strong woman will go no matter what. And that is like competition out of the game ahead of the final. So like she pitched it, but nobody's listening. I don't know what's going on. Like, Like, did they become such close friends during this game that like, they throw the game out the window? That is a good question. I mean, again, too, with like, we've talked about this, but not sort of knowing like where people stand. And we talked about this last week where it was like, are Angela and Sarah the enemies that the show has portrayed? Or are they kind of like, it's game respecting game? And then later when we get this Alyssa, uh, Angela moment, it's like that felt so out of left field. I mean, obviously the show portrayed it to an extent by being like, oh my gosh, Angela never shows emotions. But I was less surprised at that and more just like what it was causing said emotions was like this bond with the person who I largely believed she was working with by convenience only. Like it just seemed like I don't have anybody else. Big brother strong, I guess. So that was shocking. Um, Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the first daily challenge here. Well, Well, wait, before we do, we should talk about (laughs) Kiki because... Danny FaceTimes Kiki and we get our first of two appearances from Kiki in this in this finale. Um, yeah. Anything to this say about like, Kiki? Lots to say. I mean, this was just very validating as a viewer and as a podcaster on Drop Your Buffs for all the obvious reasons that, that listeners will know. But also, I thought it was really fun that a bit that I thought had really like like petered out for me by the end at least like it got a nice little coda yeah because i do have to say i was thinking about like this is 10 episodes right there's an arc to like joke building right and it felt like in the beginning we sean and i and many probably many of you thought that this was something that the show like didn't realize was happening and was happening but then in the back half of the season it was like oh y'all are not only aware but like you're making this a thing so it was like it went from being like an if you know, you know, to like, a oh, they they definitely know. And like, oh, they knew all along. But this sort of by by bringing her in in this way and and it, it sort of felt like, OK, it was all building to something. So I, I definitely appreciated that. Well, it's interesting to think about in the context, because I feel like they had some really big characters this season. And as much as I love Danny, I don't think he's like one of them. <laughs> and um this gives him his thing, right? Like this, this is what we are going to remember about Danny, the winner of the Challenge USA is yes. Kiki 
and you know his family like i mean the, if we wanted to take it a level deeper because we see his baby and so he's like it's the family thing he's doing it for the family etc cetera, etc cetera. that's not something we ever got about him on survivor i mean he did talk about his father on survivor but right. it's like that was not an aspect of his character and here they made it like a, a novelty that we could like both laugh with and then sort of like have uh i don't know if i'd describe it as an emotional moment but there's some emotional connection seeing the family seeing him talk to the family in the finale so like it's a way to build uh rapport between like the viewer and the winner of your show yes i do think at some point we do have to mention the fact that like the prize money on this show and many of these equivalent shows, it's not as life-changing as these shows would like us to believe. A million dollars in the year 2000 when Survivor premiered, a big deal, especially given the timeline of, you know, they're going out for just a few weeks and they're coming home with a million. But here we are now, inflation, hello. Um, it's And also, I think this prize is what, 250,000 he won? ish yeah yeah it's like that's not like that's a down payment on a house um and and a, just a down payment i mean we're talking he's also a former professional football player yeah so this is <laughs> this is probably like what he made like for a couple of games and also so so big brother right now the prize is seven hundred and fifty thousand. They're in that house the entire summer. And it's so funny because they did a segment on last night's episode, which aired concurrently, um, talking about, well, if I win, this is what I'll do with the prize money. And they're talking about, oh, like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to buy, I'm going to start a coffee, coffee chain and I'm going to um, give it to my, my mom and I'll have her finally be able to retire. And it's like, what world are you living in where you think this check is like going to do anything more than maybe give you like, a runway for a year. Like, it's just odd that like people try and uh, talk about this as though like, this is going to change everything when the most realistic thing I think one can do with a check like this is pay off their student loans. So uh, yeah, this is very much the Jeff Kent approach of <laughs> um, it's a million dollars, but it's only 600,000 after Obama takes it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just rewatched that episode. Uh, okay, so yeah, we see Kiki. Great. Let's go to the daily challenge. Well, it, one it, last well, thing. Sorry, yes. one last thing. <laughs> Kiki did an interview with Entertainment Weekly. I don't know if you saw that. Well, hopefully Kiki will do an interview with us at some point. I just <laughs> want to point out, uh, there's a moment before we go to the challenge uh, with Enzo in the compound, uh, which was like, a kind of a funny moment. I did laugh when, when he calls everybody rats. Mm. Um, and I just wanted to know like, who who are the rats that Enzo was referring to? Because I guess he's talking about the, the other players. Um, but that was just a very uh, odd moment that... Uh, well, because it, he was all fired up last week, remember? And he said, oh, you better hope I don't come back in this house because uh, I'm going to be speaking my mind. So Right, but like... And, and doing what with with that? Like, yeah. it's just, it's like, I don't know. Part of me can a little bit appreciate the character of like the the you know the littlest boy who's you know banging the pots and pans and saying notice me notice me notice me but and so like it, it doesn't i don't know it doesn't quite land but like i like well it certainly I, doesn't land given what happens like yeah no of it's course but i'm saying like if if i were writing enzo like i i understand the sculpting of the character here and i do think that there's like a place for that character but i don't think like enzo like follows through on it yeah yeah I agree. but it's like yeah you always want that like 
braggadocious guy who can't do shit. We've gotten a couple of them on Survivor that have been really fun, where they like they talk really big game. It's especially fun though. I think the thing is like you don't expect Enzo to be good, whereas like we've got characters on Survivor who like you who physically look like they would be dominant and talk a big game and then suck. Yeah. And I always really I think those are really fun. Yeah. Like what's his name from Pearl Islands? What's the guy that quit? Starts with an O. Austin? No. Oh yeah. Wait, that's the best example. That's wait, yeah. that's textbook example. That is it. Yep, absolutely. Okay. Let's go to the daily challenge, which is actually a nightly challenge because they are getting put in the back of a horror movie truck uh, for no particular reason. And then they arrive at uh, at the challenge location. It, the challenge is called Getting Tired. And the contestants basically have to swim across a lake and then run through an abandoned military complex. It's giving murder in small town X. And they can collect tokens or tires, all worth different points. I thought there was like too many different tires that they could collect. Like I wasn't sure the number of points. It sort of like had to play out before I wrap my head around it. But anyways, they're collecting tires. They're bringing them back, you know, swimming them back across the lake and then going back. It's very much pitched as like this huge obstacle course. And then here's a great example of where the editing was just like really throwing me off. Because it's like, it's like, oh my God, it took forever for them to get there. And then they've got to find these tires and some of them, you know, the high value tires, you have to complete a puzzle in order to release them. And, you know, people are working away on this. And then we're just getting shots of like people coming back with tires, like left, right and center. And it's like, how long did this challenge take? And like, how many trips did they make? How quickly are they able to make that trip? I mean, it was just very confusing pacing for me. And then what did it being at night add to anything? Like, I get it from the atmospheric standpoint, but like it had no impact as far as like, you would think it would be like, and we're not giving you headlights. So like, you're going to be meandering in the dark, but like they clearly, it didn't have any, you know, meaningful impact on the challenge itself. Well, Um, except that I think it tripped Ben up. That is true. Literally. (laughs) That is true. Yeah. And then I just think the thing about this challenge that makes no sense to me, and this is, you know, the beginning of a string of things that make no sense within this episode, is that, like, we get this clock where it's, like, an hour and a half in, and Angela is still working on the slide puzzle, and it's, like, that just doesn't make sense. There is no way Angela, like, Angela knows what's up, and also... We're talking 20 points, not 100. If it was one of those slide puzzles where it's like, if you win this, you are guaranteed like to ultimately win, I would get it. Like That's a really smart strategy. Just stay there, get it, because it'll be worth it. But the thought that Angela would be there for 10 minutes, I already am sort of like, that makes no sense. You would kind of regroup and, and re-strategize. An hour and a half, and she's just standing at this puzzle is one. And two... If Justine was able to copy Tyson's puzzle later on, why would Tyson, who is working with Angela and should want Angela to succeed, why wouldn't Tyson just help her with the slide puzzle? Yeah, that's a really good question. I did wonder it benefits whether Tyson him. would help would help with the slide puzzle. It's and like not only are you helping out an ally of yours to help win, it benefits your game. It's so odd that he's like just running past and being like, you got this girl. She don't yeah. got this. <laughs> yeah, that was all very confusing. I just thought Angela's approach was really confused. Like I was, yeah, I was very confused by the whole An thing. hour and a half. What? I know. I and know. then like in her mind, did she think after an hour and a half that she completed it that like, okay, now I'm in it. It's like what 
You're well, watching all I, these I, people running past you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And because she needed to win. Like she need it wasn't like a situation where it was a men's elimination and she just, you know, didn't want to come in last or like whatever, like shouldn't have to win, shouldn't have to lose. This is like you don't want to lose this. Like you right. really don't want to lose this and here she is losing it for an hour and a half. And it's especially odd because it's like everything we've gotten of Angela up until these two episodes was it's like how much like Angela, it's like the one thing Angela does is she wins. And in this episode, we have like two challenges that are just so out of character for her. And then more than that, like we don't get any explanation into her like mind at all about like why she's making these very bizarre decisions. But like an hour and a half is a long time. Mm. You can get through anything. the majority of Legally Blonde in an hour and a half. And you're and on top of that, you're watching all these other people behind you. You can see the progress that people are making. Not like number by number, but you know, you see how many times people are coming back and forth. And at no point was Angela like, hmm, I should probably re-strategize. Also recognizing the fact that those people around you are probably taking the highest point tires as well. It's like it it makes no sense for anyone to do that, let alone someone as intelligent as Angela. Yeah. It's just one of many things throughout this episode that were like, this doesn't make sense. But then you get to a point where you're like, so many things don't make sense. It's like, is it me? Yeah. <laughs> a couple other things I wanted to note from this challenge is that, okay, as I mentioned, uh, we have Ben's injury. But before he gets injured, there's this puzzle. Like, there's all these puzzles. I thought the puzzles were just tied to the pink tires, but that is not the case. They're also tied to the red tires, which are, like, the next most points. And then I think they were even tied to some other tires. But there's puzzles that we don't even see how they're complete. We don't even have an idea of how these puzzles work. Uh, there was the tower puzzle, which looked very much like the one where they played in the arena, where they had the, um, they one one of them was in a tank and they had to plug a hole. Remember, and the other was building this like tower. It looked very much like that tower. I don't know if it's the same puzzle. It looked like it might have been. But we did have a great moment that I think was a nod to Survivor where Ben completes his tower puzzle and then he kicks it down. He does say something and I don't know what he said. I don't know if he was explicit about it, but to me, this was a knowing and very clear nod to Michelle Fitzgerald, who is also a ch challenge, I think, two-time player. Or she's about to be a two-time player, if I'm leaking that. Um, that <laughs> that uh, she very famously completed uh, the tower puzzle on two different seasons and kicked it over after winning, which is um, kind of an iconic moment for her. And I feel like Ben was nodding to that there. So important to note that. And hey, speaking of Michelle, I don't know if we can talk about this on the podcast, but I feel like we can. Didn't you tell me this story before we ever watched the challenge that you were at like a, a fashion show and Michelle was there and that her agent or publicist or manager or something was like, I'd like to introduce you to like my client who's who's a contestant on the challenge, but yeah. no mention of her being a survivor winner. Yeah. And this was like, I think that I had I hadn't watched Winners at War yet, if if I remember correctly. I had only uh, seen her in her original season. And it's like, there's a room full of like legit celebrities. And I'm of <laughs> course the most starstruck by a survivor player in the room. And yeah, it's like her agent came over to me and was like, I want to introduce you. We did not end up meeting that night. Um, but yeah, she was introduced as a challenge contestant and it's like, girl, 
But then again, I'm like, maybe... Maybe she's I, iconic in the challenge. Well, but this is most curious too, where it's like, for instance, if you're Danny now and you are somebody, you know, someone's like, oh, you know, he'd be like, I'm a former NFL player and I won the challenge. Do you say, and I was a contestant yeah, on Big Brother? I think or the this... challenge makes him far more iconic than Survivor does. Right. But I'm saying, well, yes, because we know that to be the case, but I'm saying just like when meeting a stranger, do you go, mm. I won the challenge? Because I do think at least when you say... I was on Survivor. Everyone knows Survivor. Whereas I do feel like there's a faction of people, yeah. especially older people that are like, well, what's the challenge? And then yeah, you'd be like, totally. oh, it's a show on Paramount Plus, which I think is like, well, what's Paramount Plus? It's like <laughs> that could potentially like lead you down a rabbit hole where I'm like, I was the contestant on Survivor. And they're like, oh my God, I love Rudy. You know what I mean? I feel like that yeah. can like be an easier. So I'm curious which route he will go down. Here's some advice for Danny. Danny, when you mm. introduce yourself to people, say, hi, I'm Danny. I'm Kiki McRae's husband. Period. Period. And then they'll uh, know. That's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they'll be like, weren't you in the NFL? Everybody knows <laughs> Kiki. Yeah. And if they don't, they will. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so let's let's wrap this challenge up. So what we have is we have uh, two guys tying. We have Tyson and Dom tying. Here, I think, is the first of many logistical mistakes of this episode. Because TJ says we have a tie and uh, we don't have a tiebreaker. Like, time out for 15 minutes and make up a tiebreaker. Exactly. Like, this is crazy. And not to be like that person, but I just feel like there's a lot of, like, patriarchy at play here where it's like, Ultimately, we're going to have two men and one woman decide the fate of the women. And it's mm. like, that's just, I don't know. It's like, that did not work for me. I feel like mm. if they're going to go this route, then they need to also bring in the second place woman and call her yeah. the winner as well and lift her up. But yeah, I think more than anything, it was like annoying because it felt very like defeatist for a show that it's like, hey, if something happens that you did not game out in your conception of the challenge, then to your point, take 15 minutes and figure something out but the fact that it was just so like blase where it was like mm, there's no tiebreaker you're both winners it's like that's not how we've been led to believe that this show works and so it's like very strange and also strategically it led to a series of things that like you know we've been talking on the podcast for weeks what happens if the winners don't agree and then you have this episode where we're all of a sudden introduced to this vote and then the question is, it's like, what if Dom chose a third person? You know, they made well, it seem and like... they didn't even know. The contestants didn't know. I mean, in right. all of these shows, in Survivor and Big Brother, they have a rule book. They have a rule book that they have to read, and it's there right. to, for them to reference. And there's so many moments here, including like, I mean, we'll get to it, but Angela's disqualification, where it's like... <laughs> Why don't we know the rules to the game? Right, because it would playing? be more fun for us at home to be able to have an idea of how this works out. Also, well, I'm not even saying we, but oh, the yeah, contestants I was say, don't the, seem to know the rules. Maybe the contestants should too. <laughs> but also too, it's like even when TJ talks about it, he asks Dom, do you choose Kayla or Angela? And it's like, well, what if he, or sorry, he says, do you choose Kayla or Alyssa? And it's like, well, what if he wanted to choose Desi? Like what yeah. happens then? Yeah. Just weird, very like. And they weirdo. talk about like the concept of a house vote. A house vote. Where's that coming from? Like, what is the, what's the logic for like going down that road? Right. I also feel like not to like zoom in too much on this, but I did get a little bit of like there is a little confusion for me as to like Dom's prowess within the game because mm. I feel like we've had episodes where he's been like sort of 
seen as like dead weight and someone that you don't want to be paired with. He's the oldest. He's not in the best shape. He even says that at one point. But then he like really dominated in this challenge and uh, does really well in several legs of the final. So I think I had some confusion around like where to position Dom because I saw Dom as more of like an Enzo in terms of his skill set. But I guess from this episode, I got the impression that he was probably a little bit one of the better men of the men, but I'm not sure. One of the better men of the men left. Left, I think that there was like, I think that Dom had... I thought a pretty clear underdog arc going on this season where in the early days he wasn't super, he wasn't like standing out in the challenges. He wasn't like necessarily that bad, but um, he was not standing out, I guess, kind of like an Alyssa. And in that way, it was like he kind of squeaked by. And then towards the end, like we kept getting him saying like, like I'm really surprising myself. I'm actually doing well. And like, I'm very proud of that. And who would have thought that like, I would have done well. And so like, I think that that kind of is where his like, I think that's, uh, we saw journey for Dom this season. And you mentioned um, Ben's sort of like reference to when he kicked down the challenge. I feel like uh, there was something mentioned to me by fiance to the pod, Billy, uh, where he said that. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, well, he said to me that Dom famously uh, was, uh, he tied his season of Survivor with Wendell, and then it had to be whoever was in third place that ultimately decided the winner of his season. So Dom has expe- some experience that I think is relevant here to yeah, being true. in situations in which he ties that like, you would think that they would at least get a talking head of Dom mentioning that because it's pretty significant. Like, that's a yeah. really rare thing to happen in Survivor, and it's something that he's a part of that's happening again to him now. And I, I mentioned that too because we got several instances of contestants from Survivor talking about things that had happened on Survivor relevant mm-hmm. to the challenge. Well, that's a big one to me. I mean, we got a lot of tie talk on uh, on Drag Race All Stars. Yes, um, let's reference back here on the challenge. Okay, uh, so. It is what it is. Tyson and Dom are the male winners. And for the females, we have Sarah winning. Mother. I did just want to say, too, you got all of these uh, talking heads of people talking through their strategies on how to play this challenge. And it's like everyone (laughs) has a brain is going to go for the highest points like it. It, it makes, like, there's not, this is not Well, this is the science. thing about the brain, because I thought that Alyssa's talking head was wild, because she was like, so Angela was working on the pink tire, which was, I mean, it was in the, it was in the early hours of that, where I was like, <laughs> okay, good, good one, Angela, that's smart. And then Alyssa's like, you know what, I can't really find any good tires, so I just want, like, whatever the second worst tire is, and I'm just going to collect those. And I was but like, that to you me think that that's like- a winning strategy? No, but it felt like, again, with my, like, the conspiracy theory about things in this episode, did Sarah finish the puzzle, blah, blah, blah. It's like, did they ask Alyssa to do that talking head just so they had a variety? Because all they had up until that point was, I'm going to go for the highest numbers. Um, But yes, I did. I I mean, maybe, but then we saw her grabbing the second worst tires, like, right out the gate. It was like, she didn't even, like, really look around very hard for a red tire. But it's just so funny because it's like, um, it reminded me of like, there's, this always happens on Big Brother too, where they're like, I have to win this veto because blah, blah, blah. And it's like, and then they'll do like a cutaways of everyone saying the same thing. And it's like, yep, 
Everyone has to win. That's like how this goes. It's do or die. Yep, that's the nature of gameplay. Yes, everyone needs to win when it comes to a game because if you don't win, guess what? You lose. It's just like the fact that we have to always do this is sort of like, again, it's like there are times when I feel that shows like these treat us, the audience, like we're stupid. And it's times like that I get really frustrated because though I am not the smartest, I am not stupid. I mean, the point is, it's like a very lazy way to raise the stakes in, right. in the moment and right. like paired with the music that they use and like whatever and the shaky visuals. You're like, I do oh, think, yeah, yeah, I have to win. Right. There is a version of this challenge that I think would be really interesting because I like the idea of like the choice involved, which is like you can run more legs or go for bigger points. And then the idea that like some of those points require an extra step, like there is something here to this design, but I don't think it was executed properly. But like, I am on board with like how, you know, the direction they were moving with this challenge. I think it's fun. I also think this could potentially be um, a, like a, a finale challenge or, or part of the finale, or I don't know. I, I would love to see this challenge on Survivor. Uh, there were a couple moments in this episode where I was like, okay, this is like, we could, we could, you know, we could do this. Yeah. Well, what I really liked was that they had incorporated other like sort of like mini challenges into this challenge where you had the slide puzzles or you had the tower building or you had like different kinds of puzzles that you had to do that we've seen before in the season. Like it was a little bit more like cumulative. Right. I felt like. But that's why I think something like this challenge would have benefited from having less players in the game because mm. to your earlier point about like us not being able to see even what some of those mini challenges were, that's because we had to have eyes on 10 different players moving yeah. through this. Whereas if this was like, you know, maybe a final four or final five challenge on something like Survivor, I feel like we'd be able to get into like these like micro storylines within the challenge. One thing I really liked about this challenge was that TJ was across the lake. And so there was no opportunity for him to laugh at the contestants being because they tried to make it scary by like spray painting the walls or something. Oh, they said Danny said something about how there was uh, noises playing zombie noises, like playing into the what abandoned complex. And it was like, oh, thank God TJ was not there to laugh. Okay. It's like we should have is... some. Hey, if Survivor's going to adopt anything from the challenge, it's uh, have Jeff not near the contestants. Okay, it's so interesting you say this because, now granted, I was high when I watched this, so maybe this was the edible <laughs> speaking, but I turned to Billy at one point and I was like, I miss hearing some of the challenge, like, you know, I miss the the narration. And then Billy was like, what are you talking about? We hate Jeff's narration. And I was like, yeah, you're right. You have Stockholm syndrome. But I, well, I don't know if it's that or like if there's some sort of middle ground, but I do think that like, there are moments in the challenge where I was craving some sort of someone mentioning something. And I think the instances where it was the most apparent to me was when they were seeking checks. And in the format of the challenges, they just have the air horn go off. But I sort of do like those moments on the challenge where Jeff like steps in and he's like, okay, go. I think that's where I was needing a little bit more of TJ or, or just, you know, I don't know, or show me a referee, but I just didn't like the air horn. I wanted to know, like, who was that person that they were seeking, you know, um, who was, you know, blowing the air horn? Yeah, I do think that the benefit of having a narrator like Jeff is that it has to keep the editors a little more honest. Yeah. And so there's a lot of times that we talk about where Jeff is yelling, like, you know, oh, so-and-so is like right behind so-and-so. And it's like, no, we can see that they're not. 
And so, and then, and then on the flip side, you know, like we, like we have a visual and we have a narration and we can see because we are human beings, what's actually happening by, you know, like comparing the two where this, we're just like, I don't know, like it, it, it might've been helpful to be like, Oh, TJ is like updating, like, Oh, this person's right behind this person. This person's getting back really quickly. This person's taking a lot longer. Um, Angela's been gone for an hour and a half. Like it would be like a little beneficial to like get some kind of updates on the actual state of play. Okay, let's get into some of the strategy because the three winners have to pick somebody to go into the arena against Angela. And uh, it's going to get a little complicated here because, of course, Sarah and Tyson have been butting heads all season. And then we have Dom kind of in the middle. So Sarah says that she needs to make sure that she gets at least one of them on her side. Now, this is getting back to the rules. I don't know, like, how she knows that. Or does she think if she gets one, the other will cave? I don't know. But that's going to sort of unfold uh, because we see Angela talk to them and like, she's got a bad attitude because she's going <laughs> to talk to them and she's like, well, it doesn't even matter what I think. It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. They're like, okay, well, can you, can you just like say something? No, I'm not saying anything. Well, my perspective on that was that she was in a good position in that she could likely beat every woman that would go into the arena except for Sarah. And on the off chance that Sarah would throw herself in just because it's Sarah, it's like that would at least create great television. I felt like Alyssa, or excuse me, Angela was in a position that it was like, I don't think she needed to worry so much. Mm. So that was my impression. But why not just like say who you want to go against? Or does that give Sarah the ammunition well, to like? Part of me wonders if person. she did say who she wanted to go against, and they just edited it that way because that whole conversation Very seemed possible. a bit strange. Very possible. Um, so there's that, but also I I feel like at that point it's like they again because it's a game in which you're playing only against your same gender, and there are two people of the opposing gender. Um, that should, in theory, want Angela to stay for all the obvious reasons. If you're Angela, it's like, I wouldn't feel the need to campaign that far, mm. ha that hard, because my being in the game benefits Tyson and Dom. So I did think that it was funny that Sarah was like, you, you've been talking about bringing the strongest women to the end the whole time. You really think Alyssa's the strongest woman? Um, I did think that that was funny. I think she yeah. gagged her a bit. Uh, and then, okay, so the three have to like come to some decision. Again, they don't know what's going to happen if they don't reach consensus. And they're speculating all these things. And Dom's the one who says, well, like, I'm up for grabs here because, because Tyson really wants Kayla. Sarah really wants Alyssa. And Dom's kind of like, what if it's just the majority between us three, which then sort of like, changes their mindset um we get that hilarious pitch from Alyssa to dom which uh is not going to work ultimately <laughs> and uh, and then we get sarah also pitching to dom hard and saying like look like tyson and angela have been like stomping all over everybody in this house since, since they won week one and they have to bend a little bit because it's like why do we always have to be the ones to to sort of like submit to their will it's, you know, you, what is she, I think she said, you win some, you lose some, and it's time for them to lose some, which I thought was like, that probably appealed to Dom's sensibilities a little bit because Dom's been like along for the ride. Yeah. He signed up for this, uh, survivor men, big brother women alliance. But if he really wanted to sort of like separate himself, 
not necessarily for like a game reason, but like for a TV reason, um, which is certainly a consideration, I think. Yeah, I just in this don't game. think Tom's that intelligent. Mm, so. I know, I think. Okay. Tom's not a dummy. He's not a dummy, but I don't think he's thinking about how to make good TV. Otherwise, I think he would have been more memorable in his season of Survivor. Um, uh, Evan, people love Dom on Survivor. Well, I think that says more about people than it does about Dom. Um, but I did just want to point out something that I guess I would love to ask Sarah. And honestly, you know what? I'm going to voice memo Sarah when we finish this episode and try and get this information. This will be, let's see if I can like make inroads with mother. Mother did double tap my engagement post. So I do feel like there's some goodwill earned, um, but we shall see LGBTQIA ally, Sarah Lucina. <laughs> um, but I guess one question that I have is if you're Sarah, doesn't it make sense to throw Desi in and have it be Desi versus Angela in which no matter what you are taking out a strong woman and likely bettering your chances of winning. Doesn't Sarah recognize that having Alyssa in the final is good for her game? Wouldn't she know that? Wouldn't she know that? Or wouldn't it at least come up as a consideration? Yeah, for sure. I think she's just vindictive. But like, I don't like, I don't know. Or or maybe this makes me think, Maybe she feels she can beat them both. And so she's just like going with the personal route. Perhaps. But this makes me think about that post from several weeks ago when you and I were on the podcast being like, Sarah's so stupid for not realizing that if she goes into the arena, like she wouldn't have the money, blah, blah, blah. And then we go on Instagram and Sarah has this post explaining her mindset, blah, blah, blah. I wonder if there's just some element to this where it's like, if we just got an explanation, we would understand things better. Mm. Um I, I'm curious if that's the case. That's why I'm so eager to seek Sarah out. Cause like part of me is like, she, she is not speaking of smart players. I do think Sarah is a lot smarter than people give her credit for strategically. And I do think she would recognize the very thing we just said. So I want to know if she did. And then if she did, why she didn't act differently. Yeah. I bet there is a whole other story. Okay. Let's go over to the arena where we're going to find out what happens when the three winners do not agree. And of course, Tyson chooses Kayla Sarah chooses Alyssa, and then we go to Dom, and he chooses Alyssa. So he is siding with Sarah here, and it's majority rules, so Alyssa is going into the arena. I thought that uh, it was interesting what Dom said, because like this, this is getting some more of like the personal aspect of things. I mean, he, he kind of gives both sides of it, because he says that uh, there's one person in the house that didn't bother building a relationship with him until late in the game. I have to assume that that's when the Big Brother Girls Survivor Men Alliance came together uh, that all of a sudden Alyssa wanted to be his friend. And so he's kind of like getting a little jab in there. But then he also tells us in confessionals that Kayla's stronger than Alyssa and he'd rather be paired in the final with Kayla than Alyssa. So that settles that argument from earlier. Okay. (laughs) They are playing a challenge classic, apparently. It is called pole wrestling, where uh, the the two players have both of their hands on a pole in the middle of an arena, and the first one to get the pole out of the other's hands and sort of like leave the circle wins. And apparently, the pole this season is much thicker than the pole in previous seasons. Hmm. I do feel like we use this um, term like challenge classic for things that are like you're holding onto a pole like and then hall brawl too. It's like Uh, absolutely we use. Yeah, no, no, no. I think that's okay. Let's let's look at Survivor. 
See, but I feel like Survivor doesn't use that language, though. Do you? I, I've never heard Jeff be like, "We're bringing out a Survivor classic." Uh, I feel like he has said that. Interesting. I feel Keep like honest, he said people. that. I mean, I I can't think of an example, but that sounds like something Jeff has said. But I mean, I don't think they really do Survivor classics anymore, so we probably haven't heard him say it in a while. But you know, we've got Survivor classics. That's true. And it's like uh, I think a. a I mean, I think they've done challenges like this. It's not obviously the same, but they've done challenges like this. Uh, we've talked about them. But also, like, if you think of, like, a Survivor classic of, like, Hand on Hard Idol, it's like you're holding onto a stick. You know what I mean? But that um, to me, sorry, but it's like that I think to that's me, a Survivor classic. <laughs> I was going to say, but it is a Survivor classic because of the fact that I feel like nothing like that existed ever on television before. So it's like, I guess it's a little different, but maybe it's just because we're survivor podcasters at heart. Yeah. I imagine that it's a challenge classic probably because in the past it's gotten super physical. There's probably been like some actual brawls here, you know? I just think it's funny, like, and this is maybe a conversation for another episode, but like that this show is so, like, yes, it's such a long running show, but it has completely changed itself. Like it morphed from what it originally was into this other thing. So it's funny when this show like talks, like references its past, because here I am watching the early seasons where it's like, everyone's drunk and hooking up and it's so much about life in the house and like relationships and like they just show up at the challenges and like you know in whatever state they're in and like it really doesn't matter blah 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 so it's funny that like it's morphed into the show that people train for and they take so seriously so when they reference their past i'm sort of like mm, like how far back in your past are you referencing here <laughs> Yeah, good point. Like, I'm watching a bunch of men call a woman a cow and a cunt. Like, that's where I'm at in my challenge journey right now, which I don't think is the show that they're referencing. Wow. They're so mean to Beth. Don't get me started. <laughs> okay, Beth Hive, rise up. Uh, sh- I am deeply amongst the Beth Hive. She's <laughs> probably my, one of my favorite players of all time. And I hear that she comes back for All Stars, so. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Looking forward to that. When I can ever watch the challenge anywhere in Canada. Yeah. Okay. So this is, uh, let's skip over this. <laughs> Angela wins pretty easily two rounds. Um, she's sobbing. Okay. Shan, there's the emotion you were looking for. And uh, that's I pretty much say, it. I <laughs> What? Tell me. I don't like to talk about, you know, the work people have done. Um, uh-huh. Although part of me feels like we need to destigmatize the idea that like one, ca- I don't know. Complex subject, but um, it was uh, interesting watching Angela's face attempting to match the emotions that were going on inside of her. Right. I will leave it at that. All that said, I think Angela looks great, and I would not be opposed to linking up with her, her doctor. Well, also we didn't even mention this, but it was like Angela's birthday. Like that was a that was like a side conversation that she had with her big brother showman's romance tyler right who i on only, facetime yeah who i you know how like they're i'm sure you go through this all the time it's like you see there's a player who like was really big on a season and then you never think about them again and then all of a sudden you see a photo and you're like oh that asshole that's how i felt about tyler mm. it's like oh yeah the memories came creeping back in <laughs> Um, so TJ tells Alyssa that he's sure they'll be seeing her on the challenge in the future. I think like, we've been really? a little like uh, freewheeling with offering yeah. that comment out throughout the season. Alyssa, like ultimately 
she gave nothing. Alyssa is somebody I'm never going to think about again. Yeah. Like, truly. Of the people that we've got, I'd say, like, I think that we should have the gay uh, Amazing Racer back because I feel like there was more gas in that tank. Mm-hmm. Um, Caché. Um, but I don't think Cashel. this is a season... Kasha, please. <laughs> um, I don't think this is a season like dripping with people that I am over eager to see. Yeah, back. yeah, agreed. Okay, so our finalists, our ten finalists, go back to the house now. Uh, ben, his shoulder has been hurting him, so he's going to go have it checked by medical. And we see this like a very interesting embrace between Sarah and Ben after like, just like there, there's a story that hasn't been told. Right. Because, yeah. you know, they were, they were thickest thieves in the beginning of the season. Then they had some kind of falling out after Ben uh, joined up with uh, Angela and Alyssa and the survivor men leaving Sarah out uh, of the loop there um, but there was clearly more to that uh, where Sarah was like making really sort of like emotionally charged comments about Ben and and sort of like that Angela's uh, puppeteering him, et cetera, et cetera. Then here they are hugging, being like, oh, my God, we love each other so much. And, oh, you're going to go get your shoulder looked at. I hope you're OK. Like, oh, I don't know. It's just something's not right here. Something in the milk ain't clean. Also, I love that moment when Sarah literally punched his other shoulder. Um, (laughs) She was just being Sarah like it was an act of endearment. Um, But it was just very classic Sarah where it's like his left shoulder's hurt and she's like, you know, just gives him a light little punch on his right shoulder. Yeah. Um, Again, odd editing because it's like, okay, so we hear Ben's going to go see the medical team. We're not going to see it. And then next thing we know, they're all headed out to a private jet to go compete in the final. And oh, Ben's there, looks like everything's okay. Um, so they do fly out. Do you wanna say something about- I was just gonna say, I thought it was odd to bring, to not have, like to have Ben's story end the way it did, like to bring him out to that challenge yeah. made you think that they'd already broken the news to him and the cast. Yeah. There was a lot of things that are about to happen that feel like the people that we just didn't see a lot of things that occur, but it's like, I was wondering why they went through that formality of having Ben come out to the challenge, um, knowing that he was just going to turn around and go home. Yeah, totally. And it's like, I would get it if there was like a bigger send off for him. Right. So obviously like they arrive, they're in Patagonia. TJ's like, great. Everybody's here. We're all going to do the final, except for Ben, who the medical team has advised me that you can't play this final. Like when was that decision made? Was it because they were going to give him some kind of send off? Because if this was the send off, like it was so anticlimactic. Like right. it's just like, Ben, can you walk away now? And why not? So David was the last man eliminated, correct? Yeah. Okay. Bring David back. That's how this shakes out to me. I was me. thinking that too. I was thinking that too. We should have one of the men come back. Like. Because this isn't fair. Because now we have a final, as TJ announces, where. Uh, everybody's going to be paired up, but because we're short, one man, one woman is going to have to run each leg of the final by herself. And why that's so confusing is that there are times that that benefits you and there are times that it doesn't, depending on the challenge. So for instance, if you are a woman who is not a great swimmer, if you were paired with someone like Tyson who was, that could obviously benefit you. They would get you through. But then there are times when it's like you don't have to worry about the dead weight of having somebody else. So I just thought 
because of the format of the switch up, there was just too much of a luck component to this decision that was just so unfair. Yeah, so unfair. And then the next rule twist here is that if at any point during the final, which consists of something like four or five legs over the course of two days, if at any point the person that you happen to be paired with for that leg based on the algorithm uh, quits, you're out of the game. There is nothing you can do. Your entire fate lies in your partner's hands. And I mean, we see that come to devastating effects when uh, Enzo quits and Desi, like they haven't even completed the first portion of the first leg of the final. I mean, I like, so I hate that rule. That rule doesn't make sense. Like these people worked really hard to get there. And now they're just, because Enzo sucks, Desi has to, like stop playing. It makes no sense. I should have opened the episode if I could get in the time machine. I would have opened by saying, "You, Sean, how? What did you think of the episode, Evan? Evan, justice for Desi. I thought that was insanity. Um, also, speaking of you know reactions on Twitter, uh, Enzo, if if you're online right now, I advise you not going on Twitter because you're a punk and everyone knows it, and they're saying as such uh, on Twitter. It's just such a shame that. Yes, as you mentioned, because of that stupid rule. But on top of that, it's like the fact that he didn't even try, the fact that she was forced to just watch him get on the boat. He's wearing a life jacket, people. Like, he's fine. I I hate this term, but I'm going to use it. Man up. Like, that pissed me off. I felt so bad for her. She needs to be brought back immediately. And more than anything, it's so disappointing. This was the start of what would unfortunately be a trend where it's like these huge players go out of the game and it's like there's no pomp, no circumstance. They're just gone. Like Mm -hmm. we got a couple of seconds with her crying, but it's so unceremonious and she deserves so much better. It's like he did her so dirty and I feel like, and so did the rules here. It's like that should not be the case it's not fair i mean i was thinking then hey oh we have another single person here let two women run totally by them by together who cares if it's a man and a woman absolutely i did want to mention though one thing that desi says later on is that she's been watching the show for 20 years so the math on that would mean that she is talking about she's been watching the challenge since 2002 and Though the challenge was on in 2002, again, it was a very different show then, and it was a show centered around people getting drunk. All of the contestants were real-world road rulesers at that point. It's just odd because it's like they're referencing the show because they want to make it like so historic. And again, it's just a little bit like, I don't think the show that she's talking about, if she was watching the show 20 years ago, I don't think anyone was aspiring to be on this show. Hmm. I mean, maybe. I really, I feel... Well, it doesn't mean that she ha- she wanted to be on in 2002, but if she was watching and enjoying it and then watched the evolution, it's like how I was watching Survivor in 2000 and I wanted to be on, and then I watched the evolution and now I don't want to be on. Fair. <laughs> so in 2002, we were on seasons five and six of of the challenge. I don't know. It just was one of those moments that, that stuck out for me. But yeah, I just I believe to... her. I be- believe Desi. Listen, 
Believe Desi. That's that's the hashtag. <laughs> Believe Desi, protect Desi at all costs, justice for Desi, all the things. But that was bullshit. That was fucking Okay, something bullshit. else that's bullshit, I have a note here. Sorry, we're going to get a little messy talking about the final because I feel like it's just like not separated out very well. But um, another rule that I had no idea was coming, the money that they earn in their bank accounts, they get to keep. And that comes out of the winner's pot. And so you have people like Angela who has like $33,000. That's a significant dent in the winner's pot. I mean, of course, this is going to come to nothing because everybody quits. But that was wild to me. I didn't know that was the case. And like, yeah. I feel like we could have used a voiceover from TJ at some point being like, that's in your bank account. And as long as you finish this game, you're going home with that amount of money. And why? Like, I just don't understand that rule. Yeah. <laughs> like, it feels yeah. like it's punishing the winner. Totally. <laughs> I guess in my mind that incentivizes people to finish as opposed to giving up. That's the one uh, thing I can think. Yes, it does. And it it also incentivizes people to uh potentially win or like or like be be if not eager, like want to go into the challenge arena in the earlier episodes so that they can gain cash because like, you know, even if they don't win as long as they finish, they'll like, you know, you could you could get up to like 50,000, let's say. Like if you were just in the arena all the time and you were really good at it, like let's make some cash. But uh, that that really came out of left field for me. Um, okay, so that first round, uh, I don't have a lot to say. You know, they're swimming through the cold water. They make a, a a puzzle. Enzo quits. I thought it was like, I mean, we've talked about Desi, but I thought it was really wild to see the way that Enzo quits, where he's like screaming for the boat. And Desi is like frantically trying to reel him in and be like, wait, wait, wait. And he's saying to her, get away from me. Like, I want nothing to do. And then, and then that's, and that's cut in with talking heads from Enzo being like, I could not say enough sorries to Desi for ruining her game. Ugh. But in the moment, he's like, get away from me. I hate you. Don't touch me. I quit. It's so confusing for so many reasons. As I said before, he's wearing a life jacket. Can, can, if we have people listening to this right now that do not swim, Am, am I being rude here? Like, I, I want to know if I'm being insensitive, but like, I have to, it's like, my understanding is that if you're, if you cannot swim and you have a life jacket, you're good. Like, you're good. You will not drown. You have a life well, I think jacket. You, I think you can drown with a life jacket. All you have to do is breathe in the water. And so like, if you don't have, if you don't have the ability to like hold yourself steady, like it, it, you could. And if it's really wavy, people with life jackets have drowned. Right. Okay, fair enough. Ever okay, heard of the Titanic? Hello. But um, <laughs> but, but what I'll say, I think that he was too cold and didn't want to put in the effort. I think he like fully gave up. And I do believe that water was freezing cold. And that's probably a huge shock on top of not being able to swim. But it's like, get through it. It's not that hard. Like we get saw- Get through like, it. And also, what show are you signing up for? We have this happen all the time uh, with Survivor where it's like someone comes on and they're like they don't know how to make fire and it's like listen there are prerequisites for this show things that exist in every season and like water is going to be a huge element not just to the final to so many challenges throughout this season you don't need to be an Olympic swimmer but like if just being in the water is something that you feel paralyzed by then this is not the show for you yeah yeah. And I feel like they being casting needs to be more thoughtful of that, especially when you have these final challenges where you are, you know, you have to you have to work with someone and you get forced into situations like the one Desi was in where she's eliminated by no fault of her own. Yeah. 
I don't know. That could have used, it's like that needed that moment where like TJ comes in and he's like, I'm changing the rules in real time right now because this isn't fair. Yeah. Give Desi to who was alone in this round. Sarah? Sarah, yeah. Just pair her up with Sarah. Let them go do the little puzzle. And then now we've got like a clean slate into it. But they would have to, well, now the algorithm's a physical thing that they've built. It looks like a Australian survivor prop. And so maybe they just like can't switch out the cards. I don't know, but... Okay, uh, well, let's talk about maybe the next round here where they're being sent on a jog with no instructions and they're just told they're going to come across some checkpoints. We have a food eating challenge, uh, which is the first food eating challenge I've seen on TV in a while. And it was an interesting one because it was not some exotic food. It was eat an onion and a bunch of cloves of garlic and a glass of lemon juice. Fascinating. Fascinating decision. Do you think you could have eaten the onion? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I've done it. Like, it was wild to see them all barfing their guts out. I mean, yeah, I was going to say, it's like my immediate reaction is, yes, I could totally do that. I love an onion. I even like a raw onion. But then seeing how everyone was barfing, I just was like, well, maybe I should reconsider this. But also, too, I just want to mention, this one was like the two-parter, right? They had to, this was first. Yeah. yeah. So again, so odd in like the design of these challenges yeah. where it's like <laughs> you have multiple challenges and then some are two-parters. It's like, why not just make that a separate challenge like one challenge where it's that's this is the thing you have to do it was just so very strange that they were like sitting around designing them and it's like some will be two-parters very very weird i would also say this is another great example of like where i could have used a little narration because i was getting really lost in like who was where and like uh kayla and i like granted i'm trying to take notes during these episodes so it's like Kayla's struggling. She doesn't think she's even going to be able to finish. I was like, Kayla's quitting. This is it. Like, that sucks right. for her. And then all of a sudden, she's running through the barrel. Like, she did it. And it, it was just, she's, I mean, I know it was shown, but like, it was just so fast. And I was not like spoon fed in the way that I'm used to being spoon fed by some of these shows. But again, I'm like, wait, conspiracy what, how did theorists, this happen? But conspiracy theorists, where it's like they needed Kayla to win this. Otherwise, we're, you know, really down some numbers. It was one of those ones where it was just like, I didn't quite understand. She went from like, really, it seemed like she was like really, really not doing well. And there was a lot of onion to go. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, air horn. And I just was like, wait a yeah. minute. Like yeah. I need, I need, I need the, the, the full footage here. <laughs> uh, and then, so yeah, then they're doing the barrels and the math that uh, I just, just, that does not play well on TV. Like I can't do the math along with them. I don't care. They all managed to finish it. Um, and that's fine. The next leg is the one where they're memorizing a series of numbers to then like put their cog on a wheel and sort of like figure out uh, a decode, a a phrase or a word or whatever. Not fair. Not fair to the person who's solo. It's not fair. Yeah. She did it, but it was not fair. Good for her. But like, that doesn't make sense. Like you're, you're putting these women at a disadvantage. It doesn't, it just, I, oh, it and it's like, so and it's like in the, look, in the dirt round, we were told that Angela had less dirt right. to move. Why wasn't Justine given five numbers to memorize? It's so true. Five word, five letter word. Uh, but she did it. She but also persisted. too, it's like, you know, to go to that Angela, to, to the next one, um, it is most curious where it's like that happened you know, many hours later, I'm just surprised that production couldn't scramble and rethink the challenge and make something that wasn't dependent on 
you know, like there were other ones that could be more easily done with, uh, it wouldn't matter if it was one person versus two, whereas this one mm. was very dependent on the fact that you had two people. Okay, well, let's get to the dirt challenge because they get to their next checkpoint and it's a it's a nighttime one and they have to basically move an entire pile of dirt to another location. And we're very explicitly told there's a tent and that the teammates can swap out with each other. Angela's alone this round and she's just not going to do it. So she decides that her strategy in this checkpoint is to come in last place. And so she moves a little bit of dirt and then she says, you know what? Like I am not going to be able to run the final leg tomorrow if if I do all of this tonight. So I'm going to go sleep. I will take last place and I'll be good tomorrow. Like I'll, I'll make up the points tomorrow because I'll be more well rested than all of these other people. And like I immediately thought, and, and they cut to her in the tent with her mic on saying, I quit. I quit this challenge, which I thought they were just going to use that as ammunition to be like, you, you quit. You said you quit. Um, but what actually happens is that the next day TJ comes and says, you know, Angela, what happened? Uh, and she, she explains her strategy and he's like, well, you didn't even try. So you're disqualified. Uh, now we got more information. Like I said about this from Sarah Lucina's Instagram stories, uh, last night where she explained that there was more to this challenge than they showed on TV, which was that you had to actually, you had to completely move the pile of dirt so that you would reveal uh, some kind of code or instructions underneath the pile of dirt. And then you would actually use that to gain access to a black bag. And, she, and Sarah said, as you'll notice in the next morning, we all have these black bags on. And she said there was a sign at the checkpoint explaining the challenge and explaining that you had to have the black bag and that because Angela didn't get her black bag, she can't move on. And so like by Sarah's account, this was like a very explicit direction and that if you didn't finish the challenge, you lost or you were disqualified. And so that's what happened here. And if if that is the case, why didn't we see that? Why did we see it as like, it was almost like TJ making a call, making a subjective call here that like, because you didn't try hard enough, you're disqualified. Because by Sarah's account, it was like a very fair and clear disqualification. But if that is true, it's like, what still doesn't make sense about any of this is like, Angela's reaction the next morning is not one of surprise. Yeah. So true. <laughs> she's completely resigned in that moment. To the, and we get this throughout much of this episode where there's just the non-reaction. Um, it's the same thing like with Ben, with the, like I was saying earlier, it's like you find out he's going home and it's like, that's not like a shocked reaction from Ben. It's like, oh no, I showed up here today thinking I was playing. So that's the part about the Angela thing that, no matter what happened, and yeah, I mean, Sarah's account might be real or what we saw, who who knows, but her reaction just doesn't make sense. Like, she seems well, to... With the Angela thing, I would imagine that she probably sensed that this was coming because I think that probably her decision to not even try the challenge, like, the, it probably caused a lot of discussion amongst production, amongst TJ, to be like, how are we going to handle this? And so... I would imagine that as a contestant in that situation, you know that something's up. You know what I mean? Yeah, but- I don't think this comes as a shock because okay, they probably so, discussed for like an hour or two before. Right, so if that's the case, so it's like, why? Why did she quit? Yeah. I know, I know. It just, 
it's like a very it's like a pathetic send-off for angela after and like one that's so not in line like, with the angela that we know that like yeah, is like exactly the ultimate it's like her and sarah are positioned as like not only do are they so great at the challenges, they care about them a lot. I mean, like I feel like that's like the defining trait of those two is that like they put their heart and soul into everything. So to see her just give up and also on something that did not seem that difficult. Now, mm-hmm. I think what could have made this work is had they not changed the amount of dirt and her justification could be, yeah, it's not fair. They're making me totally. do twice as much as everybody else. It's going to fuck me up for the rest of the challenge. I would completely be on her side there. But it's like, it just, it's not, yeah. So do you think, is she going to do exit press, do you think? I would imagine so. I mean, I feel like we're going to get an answer to this. We might need to do like a postmortem episode or something <laughs> once we have yeah. more intel. Because <laughs> I'm curious how much is going to come out from the players. I wonder if a lot of them are going to go rogue here. Because it feels like there's a lot that needs to be discussed yeah. in terms of the season itself, but particularly around the finale. Yeah. Okay, so let's go to the last leg. Angela is gone, and it's an individual game, so it's not like it ties up the the numbers or anything. Um, so they have to do a 10-mile trek to the top of a mountain, and they'll be completing some checkpoints along the way. This round is worth double the points for no particular reason. Right. Um, so first up, they're completing a puzzle. This is the hex- hexagonal, hex- hexagonal puzzle. Um, and... Uh, Tyson finishes it really quickly. Danny finishes it. Dom finishes it. What we see is we really see um, Sarah struggle with this challenge for a very long time to the point where she is the last remaining person at this challenge. Okay, let's just talk about this whole leg as a whole because we have this puzzle and then, of course, we have the Sudoku. And these two puzzles feel like the most anticlimactic things that they have to do like it's epic that they're having to run up this mountain and it's snowing and it's raining and there's sleet and um like that's epic but like that they're doing as kayla called the first puzzle i have this app on my iphone and the other one is sudoku it's like really and it's funny too going back to what we were saying about like them underlining like this is a challenge classic throughout several times in this season and apparently this is never they've never done sudoku (laughs) before on the challenge but it's like why isn't this the opportunity to like bring about like one of these classics that we keep hearing so much about and like have it done here i do want to say though like i am a two-time marathon runner and 10 miles is no joke especially if you're not like someone who regularly runs i kind of think that like I always say like three to four is like the threshold for a non-runner. I feel like just about anyone can do three or four miles when really pushed. But once you get into that five, six range, you're really starting to get into like legit distance running, which requires training just because, you know, there's a lot to it. So I thought like that to me, I wish they would have made a bigger deal about that Mm. because like that to me could have been that alone to me could have been the challenge. Like you have to complete a 10 mile run, even like on in regular conditions, not uphill, not inclement weather, whatever, that's already really challenging. And so to make like the run comparable to the Sudoku was like, no, the run is the really challenging part of this. Yeah, actually actually, that would have been incredible. If it's just like you have 10 miles to the top of this mountain, it's raining, it's snowing. Whoever gets there first wins. Like that actually would have been incredible because it's, it's going to be like none of them after all of this are going to be able to run that whole way. So it's going to be like, how are you going to pace yourself 
are you going to be able to do this? I mean, we got so much about Tyson being like, this is a walk in the park. from the, This is how I used to spend my weekends. Um, but it's the Sudoku that took him out. <laughs> I do think um, there's a turning point in this episode where it's like, we talked about this, where like when Tyson plays the character of Tyson, and I felt like this, this episode, it just went too far, where it was just like, we get it that you're confident. And one thing about Tyson, which is why the people that like him like him, is that he can walk the walk often not in this episode um but there comes a point when it's just like it, it veers into like johnny Fairplay territory really mm. quickly where it's just like okay tyson like we get it you think you're really good you are really good you're really confident you're better than everyone else we get it but like you i maybe come in here with a few more jokes or something but it's like it just doesn't at some point it's like it, it feels like we're just hitting the same note over and over again with him yeah yeah so at this point in the Sudoku, we have our quits. We've got Dom, Justine, and Tyson sort of like together, really struggling. It does like like to their credit, it truly looks like the most miserable situation you could ever be in. Uh, well, for me, especially who hates to be cold and wet, um, uh, you know, seeing their hands shaking and like holding all these fucking numbers. I have never done Sudoku in my life. I am I am very much the Justine of this situation um, where I would just not even know where to start. Like, I don't even really know the rules of like you're trying to get them to add up to nine or something. Um, well, yeah. you're trying uh, to get each nine has to have it. It's not, I'm not going to explain it. Okay. <laughs> Google it. But it would just be like, I would look at that and be like, well, but it's like, I came all this way. I came all this way. I'm here. Even if I quit, it's not like I'm going to get immediate relief from the weather because I'm still on the top of a mountain. It's not like I can go into a chalet and warm up. Um, I'm sure that there's something like they can swap out their coats or something like that. But like, there's no immediate relief. And so I feel like the quit is less. It's like when you're on Survivor and you're starving and you're miserable and you're sleeping outside, if you quit, a boat will come and take you and bring you to a resort. That is very tempting. Here, it's like you're going to have to wait around for this show to wrap because you're on the top of a mountain. And so it's like I'm just surprised that they didn't put more effort in. Like Tyson being like, you know, I made a mistake somewhere. I would have to clear my whole board and do it again. It's like then... What are we waiting for? Like you, also, you have nothing else to do. Also, you would still get some money. So it's like, as yeah. long as you complete that and move forward, because I understand that if the rules were different, you might be like, well, I have no chance of catching up. Why finish? And it's like, well, finish so that you can earn a few thousand dollars that are in your True. For ty- yeah, I, uh, yeah, okay. So that's something I hadn't considered, actually. So yeah, I mean, you make a good point. But also that reminds me that at this point, Danny, who uh, says he played Sudoku for 21 days before going out to play Survivor, uh, Sudoku champ, that he finished very quickly and was on his way. So if you're Tyson or you're Dom, you're like, well, I didn't win. Like, this is it. Um, but then you have the women. So you have um, Justine and you have Kayla, who, Kay- like, again, the editing was so confusing here because after Dom, Tyson, and Justine decide, like, we're finally calling it quits. We get this shot of Kayla, like, happily working on her Sudoku puzzle. And then, like, not two minutes later, we see her completely miserable and quitting. And so it's like, well, what happened here? And, like, why couldn't Kayla push through that? Because she did so good with her iPhone app challenge. And I feel like she strikes me as the kind of person who would be good at Sudoku or at least be able to complete it. Sarah's if we're believing the edit way behind at the other puzzle. And so like, let's go Kayla. There's, you know, $250,000 on the line here. 
But Kayla quits. And so unbeknownst to Sarah, she is the last woman in the race. Now, she does manage to finish her little puzzle uh, or, or relent to believe. And then she gets to the Sudoku where, uh, you know, Sudoku queen Sarah completes in record time. I'm sure I have no doubts about that. And then I really liked how they did this because we saw that Danny made it to the summit. OK, he's the winner. Great. He's the male winner. And then Sarah makes it to the summit. I mean, like, nobody's at the Sudoku. I don't know where they brought them all. I really don't know where they brought them all because Sarah's alone at the Sudoku. Then she's alone at the summit. And she's like, well, that's it. I came in last place. And then, uh, surprise, out from the bushes walks TJ and Danny. And they tell Sarah that she is the last woman in the game. And as a result, she's the winner. But she didn't seem that surprised when she learned that information. I would think that... Oh, I thought she seemed surprised. Oh, I didn't. I thought all the reactions to news in this episode were just lagging. So here's my question, you know, do you think, because obviously it goes without saying, this was a very chaotic finale in which a lot of things happened that the producers did not plan for. But do you think that prior to this online reaction, which seems to be overwhelmingly negative, it seems like fans of the show are not happy with this ending. But, you know, the counterpoint we got a lot of shocking moments. There's a lot of firsts that happen and, you know, just chaos, um, which is not always a bad thing on reality TV. Do you think from the producer's perspective when this episode, when they wrapped the episode, so not counting out the reaction from the viewers, do you think they were like, oh my God, this is amazing. So many challenge firsts, complete chaos, Tyson's DQing, Desi's DQ. Like, do you think that they were like, we got something here? Or do you think that they recognize the fact that maybe it, was because this to me feels like it could be a jumping the shark moment. Um, if I were a longtime viewer of the show, so I have a couple things to say here. One is that I think that if I was a challenge fan, I wouldn't really count this as a canon season of the challenge because it's the challenge USA, it's the CBS version of the show. I think it can exist separate and on its own from MTV's The Challenge. And so, like, I wouldn't be that bothered. It's like, do I really get, like, I mean, I don't watch this show, but, like, do people really get worked up about Celebrity Big Brother and, like, and what impacts that has on the on the franchise overall? I doubt it, right? Like, I mean, having been a big fan of Big Brother UK, it's like, I kind of don't care what happens on the celebrity version mm. because I'm here for, the, like, the three-month, right, civilian version, as I called it. Well, I do have to say, I mean, just because you're making that comparison, I think, be- so the Celebrity US Big Brother takes place over like two weeks or something mm-hmm. so it's not a real version of the game so just if we're using that comparison it's like this at least my understanding is that like this format of the show played out exactly the same way as the regular show it had the same host and did all of the challenges. but i've also heard that it was far easier the challenges were easier mm. it was less grueling interesting so like it just feels a little it sounds like it was a little cushier for them so i uh, like it just it, I mean, I don't know because I didn't watch the challenge, but I could very easily see MTV challenge fans not counting this really as canon. Um, So that's one thing. The other thing is I think that they probably thought they had a good product. And I, uh, I'm starting to sympathize with those who came to Survivor in like the mid to late 30s who sort of like love these awful seasons because this is the first time I've ever watched the challenge. 
I had a good time. Have I complained a lot throughout the season? Yeah, but I had a great time watching it. I stuck with it. I talked about it for hours every week. And um, I've enjoyed myself. Like, you know, I've had lots of great things come out of this. Um, Was it the cleanest ending? No, but like I had fun watching it last night. Was I confused? Yes, but I had fun watching it. And so probably they felt like they had a good product. I think where they would they would be pretty upset is with the way that the quits happened. And this gets back to something that Jeff and Mark Burnett has have always said about Survivor, which is that they will never film in a cold location because the body starts to shut down and you just don't get the action that you would typically get. And so these quits are really anticlimactic because they're literally just frozen cold. They can't move. They can't express themselves in any significant way. Like they're certainly not going to cry. Um, and so the quits, although like quite epic that everybody ends up quitting, um, you just don't get the TV moment because they are bundled up and freezing cold. And plus it's Sudoku. Like, I think somebody needs to be fired for the Sudoku. Absolutely. <laughs> so that's that. What do we make of the winners? How do you feel about this, this season of the challenge over? I mean, you've watched a couple of uh, seasons of the regular challenge. Now. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that uh, in like, if we were to divide it into quarters, I definitely third the, think that the third quarter kind of slowed down a bit here, but I definitely thought both of these episodes were just so action packed and felt epic. And so, yeah, I would say overall, I had a really good time. I really liked, like I loved recording the podcast with you as I always do. I like talking about the show. I think there's a lot to deconstruct here and I'm definitely down for more What I was saying to Billy yesterday in the car was that like, imagine this show with Survivor players that we really love. So it's Mm. like, imagine how different it would be because there was no one on this cast that I had like really strong feelings about within the Survivor verse. And so imagining this show with Parvati, for instance, just the one that comes to mind immediately, I mean, there are so many players, obviously, that we would love to or set Or even, up, but- like, 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 vil- like, to bring in, like, famous villains, right? Yeah. Like, I'm not saying bring in Russell Hans, but, like, there, I just feel like you could really, like, Johnny Fairplay, right? Or, like, I mean, I don't know if he could pull this off now. No, thank you. But um, <laughs> no. there are people I would love to see play this, like, bring James onto the chat. Absolutely. That's a great example. So it's, like, I definitely think the format totally works. I feel like there are some adjustments that need to be made. If you're going to do the four show divide, it needs to be even numbers of players represented from each show. I also think that like all due respect to the leagues that I love. I don't think it makes so much sense to have like either you bring in shows that are competition reality shows and have them all playing against one another or you just say, you know, fuck your pedigree. If you've been on reality television at all, you can come on in. But I feel like it's like it either needs to be like a game in which you want to be quote unquote survivor strong or that that stuff doesn't matter at all. It can't sort of be like this in between that we had mm. here. And I also think like they could get a little bit more themed. So like they could do an all winner season of the Challenge USA where the prerequisite is just that you've won a show. Something. Yeah. yeah. Like it doesn't matter which show. Like I think that Wheel of would fortune. Be... We don't care. <laughs> exactly. Like, that would be really fun. So I definitely think the format is exciting. There are obviously, like, fixes to be made. But I would say, like, overall, I had a ton of fun. I There are so many aspects of the show that I like. And I appreciate the... I feel like this has a fandom similar to Survivor that, like, feels strongly about this sh- this show that they've loved and they have like their their check marks around things they need to see on the show and so i think it was fun sort of being 
an imposter in this space. And I'm eager as we, you know, hopefully continue on our journey with the challenge, whether it be USA or whatever, like I'm eager to start to know the game better and have a better sense of it. And uh, yeah, so I would say, um, though I think this was like a wonky finale in many ways, like I definitely enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. I think that for me, what I'm taking away from this is that I got to know some of these people that I already knew from Survivor, I think better than I got to know them on Survivor. Take, for example, Ben, who I didn't want to get to know better, but like I was forced into it. I feel like I have a much better sense of who Ben is from this show than I do from his two seasons of Survivor. Yeah, I don't think I feel similarly, not, not, not necessarily about Sarah, but like I feel differently about Sarah than when I started this show. Obviously, Mother. Yeah, also, I mean, credit to Sarah Lucina for being on four seasons of television show and being iconic on all four of her seasons, which is something that not all four-time players can say about themselves. I mean, most people can't even say they were four times in, in any game, but, like, she's delivered on all four of her seasons. Yeah. And that's why she's my and people. And it was great to see, like, people like Desi and Danny who, like, didn't really get like I think the showing uh, on Survivor that I got. I feel like I got to know them. I think yeah, I, I, I mean to know Desi a little better, but like uh, it was nice to see somebody like this that I was like I like remember when we started. I didn't remember who she was. Now well, I know yeah. who Desi is totally. And I think if anything, it's like I would love to see her back in the Survivor fold. So I also wonder yeah. sort of like what implications this has uh, because as you know, Propes made his uh, about face recently saying, okay, actually maybe we will pull older players back in for returning seasons, which has to, the timing of that is very interesting because they're filming 43, 44 back to back. So obviously they're starting to think about 45, uh, which is not a 50 by benchmark of number, but is a significant number. And so this leads us to believe, or I shouldn't say us, this leads me to believe that we're, we've got an all-star season in the works. I wonder if things like the Challenge USA impact at all the way that they're thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Probst has said for many years that he has always wanted to do a second chance too. We, we've done our casting uh, that on an older episode. And uh, I feel like Probst <laughs> has his own ideas about casting. And like, maybe if he's paying attention to the challenge, which like, hey, sur- the Survivor Instagram account has been posting challenge updates kind of regularly and posting. I mean, they posted, uh, <laughs> they did this post hyping season 43 with uh, uh, all of the Survivor contestants on the Challenge USA, except for... Shan, and, uh, I forget who else was missing. Oh, Shan and Sarah. Sarah was not in it. So the winner wasn't so, it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, she was probably busy. She was busy. She was filming Real Housewives of Iowa. Well, that's it. Unless we do our postmortem, unless we get Mother on the show, that is it for the Challenge USA coverage. It's been... Very fun to explore a new show and uh, uh, spread our wings a little bit here on this Survivor podcast. But we've got a new season of Survivor less than a week away. So we are going to be diving deep into the Survivor verse again uh, next week. We will be bringing you a recap of the two hour premiere. I believe the second episode is 90 minutes long um, on uh, uh, the following week. So it's gonna be very interesting to see what's happening in this early game of Survivor 43. We are excited to see some of these players. We did record a cast assessment with our patrons 
a couple of weeks ago. An, uh, an abridged version of that episode is going to come out tomorrow so you can hear what we think about uh, wh- what our first impressions are of the season 43 cast. And uh, we've made some winner picks as well. So we can see them probably go out in the first two episodes based on our track record. So very excited for that. Subscribe so you don't miss that stuff. Of course, check out our Patreon where uh, we will be doing more lives as a 43 gets going and we also have uh, exclusive episodes video of all of our interviews with survivor alumni going up and so much more so the link to that is in the show notes or you can go to patreon.com forward slash drop your buffs and go follow us at, at drop your buffs pod on instagram if you're not already thank you so much for listening bye bye, bye.